Hello and welcome into Jam Session. Glad to have whoever you are listening to us. Jam Session is Matt McLaren and Jean-Jacques Taylor. We're two guys who used to do a radio show on ESPN Radio in Dallas, Texas. We now do this podcast. We talk a lot about the Dallas Cowboys, other Dallas sports teams, and just our interests in Dallas, nightlife, stories, beer, all kinds of things. Glad to have you. Thanks for listening. Let's get going. Welcome. It's nice to have you here. I hope you enjoy it. I think you will. You're listening to the Jam Session Podcast. I was told that I could listen to the radio at a reasonable volume. With Cowboys insider... What's your name? Jean-Jacques Taylor. That's my name. Radio personality and craft beer expert, Matt McLaren. He's a very strange young man. He's an idiot. Comes from upbringing. And now, the Jam Session Podcast. It is indeed Jam Session. Subscribe, rate, review, hang out with us for a while right here on the Jam Session Podcast. Sponsored, as always, by Greening Law, a personal injury law firm in Dallas, Texas. Greening Law fights that legal battle so you have time for healing and renewal. But right now, that moment we've all been waiting for has arrived. Ladies and gentlemen, the radio, the TV, the podcast star, the sexy Jean-Jacques Taylor. What up, though? I would be the non-sexy one. It's Matt McLaren, and this is Jam Session, the podcast version 370, asking simply that you prepare to be dazzled. If not entertain people. So much to get into. We will do our last mock draft because the Cowboys are less than a week away from that first round of the NFL draft. One, one week from now, when you are all listening on that next Friday, we will know who is the lucky next dominant wide receiver, tight end, Maybe running back, maybe guard. Who the hell knows what's going to happen? But we're going to try to figure it out again this morning here as we record this. Got to get into the Rangers who have been red hot coming off a sweep of Kansas City. The Stars even the playoff series with Minnesota. A couple of little news and notes from around the sports world. So a lot to jump into here on this episode, which is always made possible by Greening Law. Been talking about them for a while and and I'll sing their praises because I experienced it firsthand. And I'll tell you straight up, man. If you have been involved in something where you were injured and it was not your fault, usually that's a car accident. It happens on the premises of a business. It could be malpractice, something that happened with you, a hospital, a doctor, whatever. Your first call after it happens needs to be to Greening Law. Find out if you've got a case, because if you got a case and they bring you on, they will work their magic. They will do and use their expertise against these insurance companies to make sure that you get taken care of and that you can get back to healing and getting back to the renewed you after the accident. Well, the whole thing, man, is it can be a long, it's mad experience, long process. It can be pretty tedious. It can be pretty intimidating. It can be pretty nerve wracking because it's you going up against somebody else's insurance company. Well, Greening Law solves all those problems in terms of they give you peace of mind. They allow you, as Matt talked about, to focus on getting better. But the main thing is they appear to be really good at what they do. And so what you want to do is give them a call at 972-934-8900. Say, hey, here's my situation. Here's my circumstance. What do you think? And as I tell you all all the time, hope like heck they bring you on as a client because the stuff that they do for you in terms of hipping you to how your case is going, keeping you abreast of what moves you need to make. And then, as I like to say, answering questions that you didn't even know were supposed to be asked. I mean, that's what makes them, you know, what good at what they do. It is. It's, it's, it's incredible. It, it truly is. Their expertise is something you need in your corner. It's greening law. And the consultation's free. So find out if you've got a case. 972-934-8900. It's Robert Greening. Call him now. Offices, Dallas, Texas. The Cowboys, we've done some mock drafts. We have gone through. When we do our mock, we just do the four rounds. We're not going to get crazy and try to go through and act like we know what the hell they're going to do, especially in round six and seven. I mean, come on. What are we doing? I love when you see these these analysts that do these these seven-round mock drafts. I'm like, guys, who's who's scrolling and reading what's happening in round seven? Just the nerdiest of the nerds. (laughs) I mean, I don't even – I watch the NFL draft. I enjoy it. I watched the first round. I, I usually watch rounds two and three. Saturday, I, if it's on where I go, cool. Other than that, I'll follow along on my phone. I don't even pay attention to round six and seven. Because what's the point? I mean, I, I'm curious to see who the Cowboys get. But let's be honest, unless he played for a team that you follow, or in my case, in, in the SEC, chances are most of us have never heard of the dude they're taking in the seventh round. 
No, I mean, that's exactly what it is. And, you know, we've told y'all this before. After the fourth round, it's really kind of a crapshoot. You're picking guys who really or check this out, who have been hurt, and that's why they fail. Mm -hmm. Or they have one skill, whether it's tackling, whether it's speed, whether it's something, that you say, hey, they got a really good skill at that. If we could develop one or two other parts of their game, they might be a player. But you don't have any expectations for those guys yeah. other than – they can compete on special teams and fill out the roster. So we do four rounds in our mock draft, and let's see what we have. Are, are, are you interested in trying to trade up at all? Is Bijan the only guy that you think would be worth trying to trade up from their current spot, depending on where he was falling to? Yes, because this is not uh, – there have been far sexier, sexier drafts than this one. There or have been far just, sexier drafts. Or maybe it's just where the Cowboys are picking. But, yeah, I'm not – and I'm not really moving up that far for Bijan. I'm not doing – like, I wouldn't give up – I'd probably only give up a fourth-round pick to move up. I wouldn't give up a third to move up for Bijan. All right, so we have started our draft. We've got Bryce Young and C.J. Stroud go one and two. Anthony Richardson went third overall to the Colts, and Will Levis goes seventh overall to the Raiders. I could easily see all of that happening. So we're now at pick 11. Bijan is still on the board. He gets past the Eagles at 10. Okay. Bijan is still on the board. Did Detroit take him? We haven't gotten Detroit yet. But we've gotten through the top 15, and Bijan is still on the board. Would you be interested in trying to make a move from 26 to 17, perhaps, to jump just, ahead of Detroit? I just think that's going to be too expensive. Let's see if they'll take a fourth, though. I'd do it for a fourth. Okay. Let's see if Detroit will take, or Steelers, because that's who's right in front of them. Where the Steelers? Oh, there we go. So let's see if we can make this. So we want to, <laughs> there's no way they're going to take this. Only a fourth. I'm not interested. Okay, I'm giving. It's just a fourth. I'm offering them a fourth for seventeen, and they have declined it. All right, well, fuck them. All right, so the Steelers <laughs> suck. There's a reason why Cowboys fans hate Pittsburgh, and we just displayed it for you. We resume the draft. Oh, Bijan does get past Detroit. He is now seeing this is where this gets wild because Bijan and I don't know if I buy into this because Detroit went with the wide receiver and Quentin Johnston, which actually right. I could see making sense because keep in mind, they picked up Jamison Williams last year and you pair him with another wide receiver and all of a sudden you've got some weapons for Jared Goff. Right. Especially guys who can run like uh, Jameson Williams and uh, Johnston from TCU can run. So now here we are. The Chargers are on the clock at 21 and Bijan is still on the board. Should we try and make another move, or do we just? Do you, I don't think I don't think they're going to take him. They've got Eckler, and they're not getting rid of Eckler just because he's mad about his contract. Yeah. yeah, and that's the thing because then after that you've got the Ravens. Ravens might want a running back. No, then you've they got, got uh, they got my boy from Ohio State who's been very productive. Yeah, fair. You know, Vikings aren't going to take him with Dalvin Cook. The Jags well, aren't going to take him. They've trying, got an ETN. They're trying to get rid of Dalvin Cook. But they haven't managed to do it yet. And if they cut him, they're going to have some dead money. So I don't know if they want a first-round uh, pick and some dead money uh, at running back on their cap. Well, and here's what happened. Bijan is gone. because this is, and, and again, this is what happens when you sit to see what goes out. The New York Giants have traded back up to Baltimore's pick and have selected Bijan Robinson 22nd overall. So what are they going to do with Saquon? Um, that's a very good question. They tagged him, but maybe they're going to trade him. Or, I don't know. Who knows? Okay. See, this is, this may be the first time since we've been doing the mock drafts that the mock draft computer made a, like a dumb move. Like that ain't happening. Well, okay. But that's what it is. Yeah. That is what has happened. So Bijan is gone and, or much like, I mean, look, what are they going to do with Saquon? They just tagged him. Maybe they're going to do what the Cowboys could consider a do with Tony Pollard. Where they're going to have, be, okay, play your tag. We just drafted your future. We're not paying you as a running back. Now we got both of you. See ya. All right. So here we are, and we are sitting here. 26th overall pick in the draft. It is time for us to draft. Brian Branch, the safety from Alabama, is on the board. We're not taking him. See, and this nope. is where I think this gets really easy for me. Michael Mayer, the tight end from Notre Dame, is here, or Nolan Smith, the edge from Georgia, is here. Unless you want to go for a Jameer Gibbs, who I wouldn't take in the first round personally, you know, Darnell Washington is still on the board, the tight end from Georgia, who they actually brought in. You got Jalen Hyatt here. You got Zay Flowers. But I... I 
We took Michael Mayer last time, I know, but it, it feels like it would be if he's here, unless they want to go wide receiver, because again, this is what happened to us in our last draft. We didn't go wide receiver in the first or second round. And by the time you get into the fourth round, anybody who you're really interested in is gone. So if you feel like you want to come out with the wide receiver here, you probably need to get him in the first couple rounds. Yeah, but like I want a wide receiver. But whoever you get, like if you get Zay Flowers, you know, now you take away a little bit from CJ, uh, I mean, from CeeDee Lamb and what he does because Zay Flowers is really a slot guy because he's not big enough, to, I think, to really play outside with, with any uh, degree of consistency. Um, and I think, is he, is he the best receiver left? I mean, is he the best receiver on the board? Zay Flowers or Jalen Hyatt, yes. All right. You like Hyatt. I do like Hyatt. I, but I you watched said the other guy in Tennessee is even better. Yeah, I'm a big Cedric Tillman. Well, I, I like the prototypical wide receiver body. I like right. the guys who are big like that. And Jalen Hyatt's like six foot uh, 180. And Cedric Tillman is one of the big. He's 6'3", 215. Yeah, I think you have all these discussions, man. But if you just use common sense, and I just ripped the Giants for not using common sense on this draft thing. Common sense says, do you want to, I mean, the real talk is like, do you want a wide receiver three or four, or do you want a tight end one? And you probably say, I'll take the tight end one. And so then you go with Michael Mayer. Yeah. So that's the selection. The Cowboys, once again, just because of how this board has unfolded, they go with Michael Mayer, the tight end out of Notre Dame. That is our selection at 26. And I, I'm, I'm fine with that. The way that the, the board has unfolded, and this is why I don't know, unless Bijan does fall like that, I actually think they can get somebody they really like at 26. Are they going to have a true first-round grade on them? I don't know. But I do think that they're going to get a couple of guys in the first and second round that are going to be immediate contributors, which is I what you want. I was going to say, I think that's all you want. I think if you get that, you're good. You're straight. You don't have any problems if you get that. So here we are in the second round. This is kind of interesting. So pick 58 in the second round. Denver is offering us a trade to drop down nine spots to the 67th pick. And they're also throwing in, I'm guessing that's a fourth round pick. It's pick 108 to drop to nine drop spots. Uh, I'm not really opposed to it because I, uh, I think the draft is pretty full. Yeah, and, and, and just looking at who's on the board right now, nobody's super jumping out to me that I feel like we've got to grab here. So, yeah, let's, right. let's, let's take that and see what happens. All right. Oh, they wanted Siaka Ika. All right, so we, we traded. Won. We don't have a second-round pick anymore because 67 is at the top of the third round. So let's see who we can get here at 67. Rasheed Rice, the wide receiver from SMU, is here. A-Chain, the running back from A&M, is here. Again, this is third round. Right. Kayshawn Butte, the wide receiver from LSU. Noah Sewell, the linebacker from Oregon. Zach Evans, the running back over there at Ole Miss. Tank Bigsby from Auburn. Or if you want to go, a couple of defensive tackles are on the board. Maisie Smith, the kid from Michigan, and Keanu Benton from Wisconsin. Hmm. I'm not, uh, let me see, I'm not opposed to A-Chain right there. Yeah, man, I mean, I feel like this dude is, like, insanely fast. In third round, I like the value for him. And keep in mind, we still have our other third-round pick coming up at 90. And then we'll have two picks in the fourth round. All right, well, let's go with A-Chain. All right. Devin A-Chain, the Aggie. Taken in the third round. Golly, man, you can do some things with him and Pollard. Talk oh, about some explosion. Could, well, that's what I'm saying. I think you can really threaten the defense and really put them in a in a bind about how to how to how to cover those guys while while not getting burnt with the pass. All right, so now we're waiting for our next pick to come back around. Let's see. Where are we at? Coming up at ninety. The ninetieth pick, our second third round pick now. Since we made that trade. No, we're not doing that trade. People trying to trade crappy trades to us. All right, so some of the wide receivers we had talked about are still on the board. Keyshawn Butte from LSU is still on the board. But again, while he had a really nice season and was, I mean, he, he had some moments. He's a small guy. He's 5'11", 195. But he, 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 he can fly. He's got speed. 
he can get down the field in a hurry. He, he what do you call it? Acceleration. He, he can accelerate and hit top speed in a hurry. I mean, that is a dude who can, he can fly. Outside of that, man, unless you want to go for like an offensive tackle or a linebacker, got a couple of offensive guys that are on the board that play tackle. I, I don't know them. Blake Freeland from uh, BYU and... You got Jalen Duncan from Maryland. You also have a couple of cornerbacks. Eli Ricks from Alabama is in this range. And, and Eli Ricks is the type of cornerback they'd like because he is a 6'3", 190 guy. I'm not really opposed to him because I think they could uh, I think they, they could use some help at corner. And you're like, well, what are you talking about? They got Trayvon Diggs. They got Gilmore. Yeah, and then the next best guys are Jordan Lewis and Deron Bland. I don't mind bringing it. I don't because Jordan Lewis, as much as I like him, and he may be the only dude from Michigan I've ever liked. Uh, he's a smaller guy. He's in the last year of his deal. I wouldn't necessarily expect him to be back, uh, especially coming off an injury that he had. Uh, I, I'm not opposed to taking the corner right there. I'm not either, and the, Eli Ricks is interesting to me because he is a dude that started at LSU, transferred to Alabama. Every, he's a five-star guy coming out of yeah, high school. And, and everybody was high and mighty on him, and he it took him a while at Alabama last year, and by the end of the season, he ended up as a starter. We all thought he would not go pro, but he did, and this is a guy who probably needed another year of college football. But, in, and again, because originally you're like, oh, this is a, a future. Last summer, every, he, he's first, he'll be a first-team All-Pro, preseason All-American, all this type of stuff. And then it never happened. And we were all kind of watching it like, man, if this dude comes back, he's got a chance to be maybe a first-round draft pick. And for whatever reason, he decided to go ahead and jump to the pros. And, you know, you get a guy like this at, at, that's a first-round type talent in the third round. And like you're talking about, you don't need him to come in and be the guy or even start right away. Might right. be a steal of a pick right there at 90. Yeah, because you can let him learn from Gilmore and Diggs this first year. And, you know, he can get in where he fits in. Um, and I, I know him because uh, I think it came down to Ohio State and LSU. And that's why I was kind of following him when he, when he came out of high school. And then even when he, when he left LSU, there was some talk that he was going to go to Ohio State because they'd been one of his finalists uh, when he left LSU. But obviously settled on Bama. So his pedigree is good. Um, and he's big, so yeah, I, yeah. I'd, ride, I'd okay. ride with that. Let's take him. Eli Ricks, the cornerback from Alabama with the 90th pick in the draft, and that'll roll us into the fourth round, and, and keep in mind we've gone tight end, running back, quarter cornerback so far, and we've got two picks now in the fourth round since we made that trade. We got our first pick here in the fourth round at 108, and let's see what we've got on the board here. And again, this is where things would be interesting to me because Jonathan Mingo, who I think we took a couple of mock drafts again, is on the board. That's a 6'2", 220 wide receiver from Ole Miss. I'd be highly interested in him in the fourth round, to be honest with you. No, that's good value in the fourth round. I, I think, that. yeah, either that, unless you want a linebacker, I, I'm, I'm probably going Mingo. No, I would take Mingo because I've heard good things. Uh, Jim Nagy, the senior bowl uh, executive director, it was all over Mingo and his size and his footwork and mm -hmm. the, the uh, change of pace he prevents. He he has, even though he's a big guy, he's got feet like a small guy. And uh, to me, that's worth taking a shot at. All right, so we get our wide receiver there with Jonathan Mingo, and now we will sit and wait for our final pick in our mock draft anyway because pick 129, our second fourth-round pick. And this is where I kind of wonder if they go offensive line here. Let's see, you've got Emil Echior, the guard from Alabama. You've got McClendon Curtis. Eh, he played at Chattanooga. I mean, I, I, I'm not into that. you got a center. <laughs> I, the, the small school guy, I, I apologize. I know some of them burst onto the scene, and that's great, but I like the big school power five guys. If, if, I, if I have, and we've talked about this, and the Cowboys do this, if you've got two dudes in the same tier, I'm going with the big school guy. Yes, makes sense. Right. It, it, that's just how I'm going to do that. So, yeah, so there's a couple of... Oh, I've, I've heard good things about this kid from Michigan. He played center at Michigan, but he can play some other positions. Six two three ten, 310 Olawatimi. Oh, I like his name. Yeah, for offensive line. Would Was be interested. Center? Yeah, either him or Emil Echior. 
the other kid from Bama, those, they're about right in the same group here. Unless you want to go Jordan McFadden, the tackle from Clemson. No, nah, I'm always I, I'll take the interior player because I think they're good with tackles with Steele and a uh, uh, Smith and then the other Smith. All right, well let's take the kid from uh, Michigan then. All right. And if you got a guy that can play center, that allows you if you feel like it, you don't need to bring back Biotish unless he you get him on a great deal. No, exactly because that's coming up too. All right, so there it is. Oluwatimi is the pick. And that wraps up our mock draft. I actually feel really good about this because we came away with five picks in four rounds because we picked up the extra fourth. You get the tight end and Michael Mayer. You get your running back combo with Pollard and Devin A. Chain, who's a, who's a burner. You get a big rangy cornerback in Eli Ricks. Jonathan Mingo, the tall wide receiver out of Ole Miss. And then Alusigan Oluwatimi, the center from Michigan. Now, if they came out with those five picks in the first four rounds, I would be ecstatic as a Cowboys fan. No, that'd be a heck of a draft because you could see you, as I like to say, you have a vision for each of those guys, yes. and you see how they could help your team uh, be better and get better. I mean, I'm going to tell you right now. At, after the four round, Stephen's about to take the podium and talk about this draft, and, and he's got blinking light circled a couple of times <laughs> on these guys. So you know you did good when when the blinking light is there, and it was just a blinking light, and you had to grab that guy. No, for real. It's the blinking light. We had to stop and grab him. Yeah, that's right. And, and that'll, that'll leave some powder in the keg for us to not use <laughs> and to sit on. But we've got that powder in the keg, which is great. That's a nice mock draft. That's my favorite one, which is bode, bodes well for us. Our final mock draft is, is to me, the, 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 my favorite one that we've put together because I thought it was very realistic. And I love the fact if you got an opportunity to pick up a second pick in the fourth round like that and you still aren't dropping that far down from where you were i like it It, that that was a nice draft well done sir (laughs) congratulations to you yeah we're 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 high-fiving in the war room and there you you see jerry on the phone and he's smiling these are all good things for our, our mock draft and it's good things for you as well freeway tire shop my friend jacques telling you about it because he takes all of his cars over there and Man, it, that's one of those things. You know, I have to come into Dallas in, in May, and maybe because we're driving. Uh, see, the problem is, like, I got to get an oil change here before we go because, like, you know, I might just drive over and be like, hey, I drove here from Birmingham. Can I get an oil change? <laughs> but I got to get one that before be we hit the road. Ultimate. Yeah, I got to get one before we hit the road, man, because, you know, I I think a lot of people do that before you take long, big road trips. You take your you want to make sure your oil's good, your tires are rotating, all that type of thing. Sometimes with cars, it's just that easy routine maintenance. Sometimes it's something else. We all have to purchase new tires. We all got to get brakes at some point. You need to service those types of things regularly. And then you want to find that shop where you you don't have to think about it. You know you're going to freeway. You're dropping off your car. It's good. You can trust them. You know JR is going to do the work. His crew, the customer service, it's elite. That's why we recommend and we tell you, you need to take it over to Freeway Tire Shop. Dude, Freeway Tire, man, it's, it's, where, it's, it's where it's at because of the trust factor. For me, that's a big thing when dealing with your car. It's all about the trust factor. It's um, can you trust him to diagnose what the heck is wrong with my car? Yes. Then it's, can you trust him to use quality parts to fix my car? That's a big yes. Then it's, how about this, Matt? Can you trust him to charge you a fair price? And that's a big deal, man. No price gouging. It's a fair price. And then can you trust him to stand behind his work? Because nobody's perfect. See, the lie is we're all perfect. No, that's, that's, that's not the case. Sometimes you take it in, they think they got it, and they don't. You take it back, it's not a bunch of discussion. It's, oh, we thought we had it. Let's go in there and figure out what the hell is wrong for real, for real, for real. Get it fixed and send it back. No fuss, no muss. And that's what you want, man. Those are people who stand behind their work. That's why I rock with, um, with JR. That's why Freeway Tire is the best. And that's why if your mechanic ain't doing all of that, all of that, then you need to go right up 35E toward Denton. Get off at Commonwealth. It's about five minutes from downtown. Go through the light, take a right, and boom. Let JR take care of you. It's the way to do it, my friend. It's easy. And if you want, check them out online at freewaytireshop.com. Also, of course, as we tell you guys all the time, North Texas, you know, the extreme weather, the, the random just 
downpours of rain. Then you'll get these extreme summers of heat like last year. Plays havoc on your foundation. That's why you need to give HFX Foundation Solutions a call. And, and, and much like JR and his guys at Freeway Tire Shop, HFX Foundation Solutions is a local family, family owned, and they're going to take care of you. Aaron and his guys, it's a free, no obligation inspection. They service all of Dallas, Fort Worth. So if you're seeing any of those signs, the cracked walls, floors, that type of stuff, sticking doors, soil washout, if for some reason you don't have gutters on your home, I'd start there because they do gutter installations, but you want to work on your foundation and do what you need to do to make sure that you don't have a problem. And that's where HFX Foundation Solutions comes in. So if you think you have a problem, I would give them a call and have them come out and, and at least give it the once over and check it out. Dude, I mean, we lovingly call it a colonoscopy for your crib, but we do that really for one reason. You get a colonoscopy, figure out what's going on inside you, all the things, places that you can't see with the naked eye. All right. Same thing with your crib, man. Those sticking windows, those sticking doors, those are a result of something else going on inside your home. HFX and Aaron and his team, they can go inside there, figure out what's going on and, and give you the peace of mind that comes from knowing, hey, even if they catch something, chances are they caught it early, early, which means chances are it costs a heck of a lot less than if you catch it late. So let Aaron and his team come over, do their thing, and get the peace of mind that comes <laughs> from having a colonoscopy for your crib. That's exactly right. It's easy to do, man. Give them a call, 817-770-0174, or you can check them out online at hfxfoundation.com. So you sent me this article. I thought this was wild as we take a just a quick trip around the block here. So there's a reality TV show. We've talked about it before. It's called Love is Blind. And season four of Love is Blind just wrapped up last week. And they filmed this one in Seattle. And the whole premise of this, for those of you that are unfamiliar, is all these people go into this massive place. They're, they're called pods. They're in there for like, I think it's two weeks that they can't leave. They can't have their phones. Nothing, none of this. And the whole idea is that they go into these rooms, but they can't see the other person. And they have these conversations. They date them without ever seeing them. And within the two weeks, you're supposed to ask if you have a connection, you ask them to marry you, you get engaged, <laughs> and then they reveal the other person to you. And the whole idea is you're already in love with this person from what you've learned about them without ever seeing their physical appearance. Then they send you to Mexico or whatever for a few days. It's all fun and, and great. And then they move you into a paid for apartment that's furnished and everything for a month. And then you live together, and at the end of that, you decide, do you want to stay married or not? Or not well, stay married, wild, but get married. It's a wild concept, but it, it's, is. It's, it can be entertaining as hell. It is, and we watch it. it it's, it's super over-the-top drama for whatever reason, but we get into it. And you know, Netflix had a lot of problems last week because they were trying to do a live finale for this season. And... Everybody who jumped on at 7 o'clock for the live finale, it wouldn't load. It, it didn't work. Well, that's a bad thing. It is a bad thing. And Netflix, the servers crashed or something. And so they had to end up just filming the finale. And from what I saw on social media, people were watching it on TikTok because some of their social media would work, but they couldn't get it on an actual Netflix. So they had to load it the next day or something. And, and I still haven't seen it, but it's... It's a wild concept, but you sent this article about how contestants are complaining that producers don't let them sleep, withheld food from them, force them to stay awake, won't let them quit the show, all this type of stuff. And I always think this is funny with reality TV contestants, because again, like if, if you've ever read anything about any reality TV in a situation like this, the producers always do things to stress you and fray you so that you will be on edge to create more drama so that they can film it because people like to watch that. Now, check this out, bro. You're, you're absolutely right. And here's how I, I mean, I always knew this, but here's, here's how I know you're right. Uh, the JJT Media Group had a meeting the other day uh, to uh, talk to, to uh, this person about doing a project. And she said, she was telling me, she said, well, you know, she was outlining what she wanted and how it would work. And she said, well, I'm a little leery. And here we go, Matt. She said, I was contacted by a reality show a couple of years ago to do a project with me. And we had agreed to almost everything. And, and I thought it was going to be a go. 
And a producer came back to me right at the end and said, well, um, we were shooting like they were shooting it like they were getting ready to do it. Uh, so they were shooting some stuff and they said, can you be a little more angry? You're not quite as angry as we'd like. And can you there's not quite enough drama here. And, and they were asking her to do some things. And she was like, I'm just me. I'm not going, you know, making up stuff. Mm -hmm. And ultimately, that's why they didn't get it done, because they said she wasn't dramatic enough. And uh, there wasn't enough tension, even though she's a coach, to make it to just make it work. Yeah. And and I was just like, yep, pretty much how we thought. <laughs> yeah, man. I mean, it, it's I remember because one of my tattoos that I got is it was done in, in Deep Elm over there at Elm Street Tattoo, which and it was done by Oliver Peck, who is an extremely well-known tattoo artist and was uh, was one of the judges for a while, at least on the show Ink Masters. Right. So we used to watch that show when I was getting my tattoo, I was talking to him about it and asked him about it. And he was like, oh yeah, man. He's like, it's like the stuff he's like, they don't do this to us because we're the judges. But he was like, they do like, he told us a story once about how they had ordered pizza for the contestants after a long day of tattooing and the filming was done and they ordered pizza and they told him, okay, well the pizza will be here at seven. So get ready for it. And then they just, they didn't ever order it. And so the contestants started getting pissed <laughs> off and angry and started, you know, cause they're hungry and they're tired. And then the producer's like, Oh, it'll be here. Sorry. They're running late or whatever. And so they calm them down and then they're like, Oh yeah, well, apparently there's another delay. And they said the pizza ended up getting there like after nine o'clock. And by that time people are hungry and they're pissed off. So they start arguing with each other and stuff. And, and it, he goes, I mean, they, they do that stuff all the time. And yeah, that's just man. like by design to get the contestants on edge. Well, what do we always say, man? Reality TV ain't really real for the most part. Right. You're still putting on the show for the cameras. Um, whether it's conscious or subconscious, it's still a little bit of a show for the cameras. And so the producer's job is to, to put an award-winning show together, and sometimes they have to prompt you to do that. Yeah, and it's, I mean, if you'll notice a lot of the times, even on Love is Blind, the alcohol flows freely. And it's they they provide them with copious amounts of alcohol. They're obviously encouraged to drink as much as they want. And that's going to create things. So it, it's that's what it is. I'm always amazed on this Love is Blind show that anybody proposes through a wall. I mean, there's been certain seasons where it's like, you know, it feels like they've been talking for three days and like, oh, will you marry me? Oh, I think they also and I don't know this for a fact, but it, it wouldn't surprise me at all if they do some uh some psychological stuff oh i'm sure testing to see the because they want people who are who are susceptible to that or who who fall into that thing or who who yearn for that because that puts you in a mindset of let me do that yeah and so i think that's all about the show and so you have to have people who are who are um you know more inclined to do that than not yeah and and it's it's a, it's a very interesting premise. You also see, and, and I imagine, and this is a problem with all reality TV shows, the first season is usually unique and more real because then after that, people realize, oh, I can be famous by if I can get on here. And you will see, I mean, there, there's, especially with the women, there are women on this Love is Blind show that are trying to get like, they just want to get proposed to because if you don't get proposed to, then you don't get to continue on the show and no, they're not filming you anymore. And so you, I mean, there are women that are just like, Oh, you know, I love you. And there are some women on there that they just, as long as you get engaged, then you get to keep being on the show and you'll get filmed and millions of people will watch you and your social media will become millions of followers and you can make a living being an influencer. No, that's uh, that's pretty much it, bro. Uh, but you know, it takes a certain amount of cachet to do that. Sure. I mean, you typically need to have somewhere around a million followers to be able to do it like that. And, um, you know, where because that allows you to influence people. Right. Uh, you know, and so uh, if you can do that, more power to you because there's an art to doing it and an art to getting there. And it is it's wild, man. And, and, and you see a lot of that on these reality TV shows of people who just they're not looking for love. They're looking for fame. And it's a means to an end to try and find that fame, which is a relatively new phenomenon in our society. I mean, now people do a lot of things to create a reaction so that they can find fame because right. they just want to get as many followers as possible. And then they can just I, do whatever it is that influencers do. 
which is... Uh, Buy the skincare product, whatever. Pretty much, it turns out that I've got an influencer in my, uh, in my class at SMU. And uh, I was asking her what she did. <laughs> she says, uh, I post pictures and uh, products and get people to buy them. And I said, oh, okay, cool. Very talented. <laughs> no, and, she, and, and she's got what I said. She's got about a million, uh, I think, Instagram followers. Incredible. Incredible. Yep, right I mean, it, 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 little it, old SMU. I mean, well, if you're a female and you're willing to show them, you know, guys will follow you and you can, you can influence a lot of people. She told me she was, she was uh, launching an apparel line yesterday. And so that was pretty cool. I mean, you look at what's her face, the, the blonde female golfer, Paige, whatever, Paige Spiernak. Yeah. You know, she doesn't do anything nude, but she basically is wearing hardly any clothing and she posts all this golf stuff. She's got millions and millions of followers. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I guarantee you, I'm just going to I'm just going to go out on a limb. No one's following her for her golf. <laughs> I get that. But hey, I'd, I'd do it, too. If I looked like that, why not? No, absolutely. I mean, more power to you. Find a way to make the cheese while you can. So we will move on from weird ass influencers. <laughs> can you imagine if you time travel? I mean, you don't have to go back that far. You know, I mean, maybe go back 15, 20 years ago and try to explain to people that in the future you can make money simply by going on what is known as social media. And they're like, oh, well, what's your job? No, no, no. It doesn't matter. All you got to do is show some skin or take some hot pictures and post every day and talk about your life and people. You get millions of followers and, you, and you'll just make tons of money doing that. <laughs> If you want to do all of that, that's the whole key. I mean, people will think that we have lost our mind as a collective society. Maybe we have. Maybe we have lost our minds as a collective. Mm. I don't know. Uh, Yeah. I mean, it's in the conversation. It's worth talking about. I say do it and make it happen. Okay? If that's what you're into, just make it happen. So elsewhere as we continue here, these Texas Rangers, man, we were talking about this on the last episode, but these Texas Rangers, and I know it's early. I know it's early. But man, when you've gone through what you've gone through the last several years with this franchise, the fact that they're 12 and 6, their best start since 2013, they are, they've won four in a row, including coming off of a sweep against the Royals. They just won five of six on a six-game road trip, and now they're coming home for three against Oakland, who's god-awful and easily the worst team in baseball, and then they go for three against Cincinnati, who's not very good. I mean, the Rangers have a chance here, man. I mean, it's we I don't want to get ahead of myself, but there's no reason why they shouldn't win five of their next six. We could be talking about a 17 and 17 coming up here in a few days. Yeah, I think, man, uh, you know, this is not breaking news. Why are they winning? Because the starting pitching is really, really good. Yeah. And they, they I mean, a, they're also they their offense. Their yeah, but their offense is coming and going. They've had a little stretch where they they weren't very good, and now they're missing Garner or Garver, and they're missing uh, Seager. And so I, I expect the offense to be up and down. They're in a little hot streak now after playing the raggedy Rudy Poot Royals. But it's what I told you, man. That pitching is just going to allow you to avoid. Again, I ain't breaking news. It allows you to avoid the long losing streaks, potentially put together long winning streaks, and it keeps you in every game. Yeah. I mean, when you look at it, it, again, their run differential continues to be the second best in baseball behind the Tampa Bay Rays, who are just now obliterating. That's impressive. I mean, that, yes. You know, you look at it, they have scored the second most runs of any team in major baseball, and they've allowed the, what is it, the seventh fewest runs of any team in Major League Baseball. So when you're doing that, your run differential is up where it is. You're going to be 12 and 6. I mean, right now, as it sits, and granted, we're only three weeks into the season. I understand this. And like I said, I'm, I, I try not to get crazy excited. But as it stands right now, as we record this, they have the second best record in the American League. Uh, that's fantastic. I've got nothing to say but good stuff about that. Because I, I was looking at standings and, you know, it helps them. And this, this is really what you're talking about. If they can do what they should do over the next week before the Yankees come to town, and it's not like they can't compete with the Yankees, but just before the Yankees come, you got Oakland, you got Cincinnati, you got six games. 
dude, everybody else in the West is off to a slow start. Yeah. You know, they've already got a three-game lead over the Angels. And what it does is if you could put together five out of six, you might be able to get that lead up to five games. And, you know, it's not that that's going to be the difference between winning and losing the division. It just means you're in a relaxed position and you can just go out and play um, and just do what you do and let the game come to you and embrace all that, that comes with it. And so, dude, this, uh, this is a better start than we envisioned, although the schedule was soft in April. And so we thought if they were going to do anything, they would need to get off to a good start in April. Yeah, no doubt. And that's exactly what they've done, which is fantastic. You know, and you look at it, he's not batting over 300, but he's damn close. So if you want to count Marcus Simeon and his 293 average, you know, they got Jonah Heim hitting 311. Simeon's been on fire lately, man. I mean, and 18 runs batted in. Garcia's got 19. I mean, it's all throughout the lineup, even without Seager. You know, I thought when they lost Seager, I was like, man, that's going to be, that's rough. But they scored 12 games in back-to-back games, or 12 runs in back-to-back games against the Royals. They put up, I think, eight the game before that, or maybe it was against Houston, they did eight, and then nine against the Royals. But like you're talking, I mean, Oakland's Oakland's really, really bad. Oakland is going to... They're going to lose way more than 100 games. They may challenge the record for most losses in a Major League Baseball season. Which is what? I think it's like 100 and... I, I actually think it's 120-some-odd... That's a lot of L's, brother. It is, but they, I mean, they're really, 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 really bad. They're already 3-17. and 17. So the record, see, and this is the thing, it was the Cleveland Spiders, but that was when they played 154 games. They lost 134, which is a lot. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, God, man. I don't, know that that, I don't know that that record's getting broken. How do you do that? Now, in the modern era, which yeah, for, the modern is era. the 1900s, till now the modern era again the most losses in the modern era was the 1962 new york mets who lost 120 games okay see i could see them doing that and that would put them at 42 and 120 i would not again they, they're three and 16 man you know what happens is you know not only are you a bad team but then you just start getting mentally beat down yes uh and then you know, and then it's the media, and then it's not only are you mentally beat down, but it's different between being bad and being a laughing stock. And so, when you add, you know, being a laughing stock to being bad, it can, uh, it can get at you, bro. So the Royals and the Rockies aren't any good. They are at minus fifty-one run differential. The Oakland Athletics are three and sixteen as we sit right now. They are at minus eighty-six. Wow. Think about that. Minus 86 in 19 games. That's hard to do, bro. That's, I don't even, that's. That's hard to do. That's incredible. And now you're about to play the Rangers, who have been putting up runs left and right. Yep. Um, you know, maybe this is why they, uh, this is why they're moving to Oakland. They can't, I mean, moving to Vegas, they can't come back to Oakland. I mean, my God, it, it's, it's incredible. They've lost seven in a row. They lost to the Mets 17 to 6. They lost to the Cubs 10 to 1 and 12 to 2. I mean, somehow they won on opening day 2 to 1. Then they won another <laughs> This is so nuts. Then they won another game on a walk-off 4 to 3. So two of their three wins were by one run, and then they beat Baltimore 8 to 4 somehow. And that's it. Yeah, I was looking at I mean, that's 3 4 Dude, they've are They've already given up one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight double-digit. You know, they've allowed double-digit runs in yeah. games already. I mean, that is, that's hard to do, bro. It's. Uh, How about when the Rays beat them back-to-back 11 yes. to nothing, 11 to nothing? They've lost 13 out of their last 14 games. I mean, hell, bro, they've only won three. <laughs> Which is unbelievable. I mean, you know, and you look at this in, in – well, they played the Mets tight the last two games, but uh, yeah, I mean the Cubs, the Cubs outscored them twenty six to three in that three game set. Um, so here's all I'm gonna say. Incredible. Here's all I'm gonna say. It's incredible. And don't laugh at me when I say this. This is a good test. Why is it a good test? Because if you 
if you're on the road to being who you want to be, then you go beat the A's. You don't give them anything. You continue to play with the same intensity, the same focus, and you go, you know, put your put your put your uh, out, put your performance out there, and you just go beat them, and you should sweep them. If you who we think you're you're on your way to being, yeah, uh, you know, but that requires you play clean, play good baseball, and just do what you do. Because if you screw around with them, you can lose a game or two and be like, how in the world did this happen? Yeah, I mean, it, this is as wild as it is. You're at home. Yeah, you sweep them. Goes, your pitching is way better. Your lineup is way better. You're a way better baseball team. Go sweep the A's. And, and when they leave, put them at 3-19, and 19, which is insane right. to think. But And then, look, Cincinnati, Cincinnati doesn't suck. They're not good, right. but they're, they're average or a little below right. average. So that, like that's a different thing. And you're on the red, yeah. So hey, I mean, when I say the Rangers, they're like the Rangers have been the last couple of years. You know, yeah. they're seven and eleven. You know, you should. That's why I said, you know, you should take the series. Maybe you get lucky and sweep them, but you should definitely take two out of three. You win five out of six. I'd say it's been an outstanding start to the trip. So you bring, stand. yeah, and and the other thing is you bring up and you kind of threw it out there, but the as we record this on Thursday, the A's announced today that they will be moving to Las Vegas, and they posted a whole thing about that earlier this morning. And I sent you a, a screenshot of the, what they had posted on their social media and all this talking, the A's, they have signed a binding agreement to purchase land for a future ballpark in Las Vegas. We realize this is a difficult day for our Oakland fans and community, all this type of thing. They couldn't come to an agreement on securing a new ballpark in Oakland. And apparently the plan is they will be by 2027 now, it, it, will it happen in 2025, 2026? Who knows? But by 2027, they will start playing in Las Vegas. So they may have three more years in Oakland before that happens, maybe two more years in Oakland. But again, keep in mind, this is a franchise. Their opening day attendance was 26,800. Since they suck, you look at their last. Uh, here, here's some. These oh, are. Let me, let me, let me guess. Let me guess. Let me guess. Uh, have they had like seven thousand? They, they've had seven thousand. They had on on Wednesday night. They cracked twelve thousand. Okay. They've had a game. This is a real attendance number. Uh oh, it's gonna be like forty eight hundred. Three thousand thirty five. Dude, I was gonna say three, but I thought that was a bit low. Thirty four oh seven. 47-14, These are this is a major league baseball franchise that five times this season. Now they've played how they played nine home games. Five of those nine home games did not crack ten thousand. That's why they got to leave, man. You can't make no money like that. <laughs> and they've also got that low ass payroll, but you can't make any money. Man, it's it's wild because. You know, you think about this and you, and you think about just the A's in general. And this is a franchise. And look, they, they're not from Oakland. But this is a, a franchise that they did, I think it was 55 years because they started in 1901 in Philadelphia. People forget they were the Philadelphia A's. They had a lot right. of success in Philadelphia. They won five World Series. Then they moved to Kansas City in 1955. Right. They're in Kansas City for 12 seasons. And they moved to Oakland where they've been since in 1968. And we all, well, I don't remember, but I, I know baseball history. The, the 70s A's with Reggie and Catfish Hunter and those guys that won three straight World Series from 72, 73, 74. And then when I was growing up as a kid, it was the, the Bash brothers with McGuire and Conseco and Dave Stewart and Terry Steinbach. And those guys, Ricky Henderson, that are good in the late 80s and early 90s, they went to three straight World Series. They lose to the Dodgers in 88. They win against the Giants in the Earthquake World Series in 89. And then they get blown out by the, the Reds in 1990. But this is a franchise. I mean, multiple World Series championships. They were in the playoffs just a, back a couple of years ago where they, they were randomly. I guess that was a COVID year. So let's throw that out. But I mean, this is a team that won 97 games in 2019 and 2018. Multiple playoff appearances since their last World Series title. The whole Moneyball thing when they had, and I love, 
if you watch Moneyball, if all you ever did was watch Moneyball, you'd think, my God, it's amazing how the A's put together this scrappy team. There's barely a mention in that movie or book about, I don't know if you've heard of these guys, Barry Zito, Mark Mulder, and Tim Hudson, their dominant triumvirate of starting (laughs) pitching. Yeah, they but, just got lucky with the pitch. Yes, but we'll just assume that Ron Washington went and got Scott Hatterberg out of out of his garage and he came and helped them win whatever. But point being, I mean, this is a franchise that even in the last like like 10, 15 years, you go back since 2012, they've made the playoffs three times. Damn. That's pretty good. Yeah, and but now they suck. They, they can never draw any attendance. They're always at the bottom of it. They don't ever spend any money on anybody. And now... No, they don't spend any money. At some point, you got to spend some money, bro. Now you're gone. You're, you're going to bounce, and they'll head to Las Vegas and, and see if... You know, here's my thing. Okay, you're going to Las Vegas. You're going to get a new stadium. You're going to start spending money? No, I mean, we can't throw stones. I mean, the Rangers went... However many years they went without spending money, but then finally when they opened it up, they spent some money and they started winning. <laughs> Look how they correlated. Yeah, and, and, you know, I mean, they spent money when they were competing for World Series back before, and then they went through that transitional period the last five years where they knew they were going to suck, and they needed to wait for that next generation of talent to come up from the farm. That's one thing Oakland always seems to have is, is young talent. They just don't ever sign anybody or add to their team. Right, and that's why they can only win at a certain level. Right. And, you know, young talent is great, but at a certain point, even young talent, if, it, if it's good, wants to be paid. And, you you know, you're building a culture where losing is accepted and, and being cheap is accepted and not trying everything you can do to win is accepted. And it's hard to overcome that as a player. And so now they're going to move on to Las Vegas, which, as, as you brought up, we were talking about this before we started recording. And it's interesting to think how Las Vegas has become a legitimate sports town now. You know, they've got the Las Vegas Golden Knights in the NHL, who are actually a really good hockey team. You've right. got in the NFL, you just stole another team from Oakland with the Raiders making the move over. And now you have the Las <laughs> Vegas Raiders playing at that brand new Allegiant Stadium that's going to have a Super Bowl. And there's been talk that they're getting a Major League Baseball team, that they would be on the map for expansion if Major League Baseball ever expands over there. Dude, and that's the only thing they're missing. Yeah, so now we, we know you're, well, yeah, Major League Baseball, you're getting Oakland, duh. I, I meant um, NFL, or not NFL, NBA, God, speak. <laughs> we just talked about the base. I was talking about NBA, that if they expand, Las Vegas would be on the map. And you look at this, and it's interesting because Las Vegas has grown. It's about the size of Jacksonville. It, it, it Las Vegas is the number 40 media market. Jacksonville's number 41. Right. Which is wild because Birmingham is number 45. And really? Yeah, there's there's no pro sports teams in this area, <laughs> which is kind of crazy. But I mean, Las Vegas is it, it continues to grow and it it's it's a legitimate player in the world of sports now. Oh, I don't think there's any doubt about that, man. Three pro sports. Uh, and don't forget, you know, they got summer league basketball, which is a big deal. Uh, for two or three weeks. Yeah, very true. And, uh, you know, and then they got UNLV, um, you know, which is a Division One program. Uh, it's been a minute since they had the glory days of the running Rebels basketball team, but they've had them, so it's possible. Yeah, it is. And we'll see. It's just kind of interesting. So you'll have – and I, I would imagine that the A's keep the same colors and keep the logo and all that type of thing because – I mean, this is what they looked like when they were in Kansas City, and, and you, you go back into Philadelphia. I mean, this is kind of this has been what they've looked like. And their nickname, unlike some other nicknames, travels with them. Yes, it's just the athletics. Yes, so it doesn't matter. You're the athletics wherever you go. Yeah, I mean, so because I've always enjoyed the uniforms. I, I I love the green and yellow. I think it pops really nice. And they've they've had. I mean, obviously they've had some great teams, some great players, and their uniforms are cool looking. So get get no beef with that. That's a good scheme. It is like the Green Bay Packers. But man, it is it is just wild that that that's it for the fourth time in since the nineteen oh one season when they were began. We'll see them moving again. Good for them. I hope I hope this time it works for you guys, A's. Although I like that they suck because the Rangers play in their division. <laughs> you don't want so all the teams to out. be good. You know? Somebody's got to suck and it need not be us for a change. Yeah, and if it's the Angels and the A's, then good. Then you only have to worry about the Mariners and the Astros. I'm I'm down for that. 
I'll tell you one thing that doesn't suck, though, is Smokey John's Barbecue. And it's funny because Dave Becker sent us a message on Instagram, and he said, finally made it, had the picture of the Jam Session Bowl. You know, love getting those pictures from you guys. And if, if you're in the North Texas area, and yes, I'm saying the North Texas area, I'm not saying the Dallas area. If you are in the North Texas area, then you are capable of getting over to Smokey John's and trying this jam session bowl. You're like, man, that's like an hour from me. Well, go on the weekend then. When traffic's not like crazy, crazy like it is during the week, and I know it can be bad on the weekends too around DFW, but it's a lot easier to get around. Go for lunch on a Saturday. Wake up, be like, you know what? I'm going to head out. I'm going to get there 11 a.m. before the traffic picks up in the afternoon. I'm going to knock this thing out, and oh my God, is this good. And you're going to love it because they designed it for you. So go, go get the meal that was designed just for you. It's the jam session bowl. And it is fantastic. It's good enough to make you want to cuss. It's, a, it's either a mac and cheese base or a mashed potato base. And then you get your choice out of two out of five smoked meats, man. Now, typically, I go with the brisket and the sausage. Hard to go wrong with that. Chicken is outstanding, too. And then, once you got those, they start putting all the stuff you find in a loaded baked potato like chives and butter and bacon bits. Dude, it's fantastic. Sour cream, cheese. It's, uh, it's to live for many, many times, bro. Then they drizzle it with that sauce that Matt drinks out the bottle straight. Oh, like yeah. A shot. And it is, uh, it's fantastic, man. Now, we've had people attest to this lately. It's easy for two people to eat off of it. No problem with it. Oh, yeah, no doubt. Uh, if you got a shorty, six or seven, the three of y'all can eat off literally no problem. Uh, if it's just one or two people, you might still take some leftovers home, man, because it's very filling, very full. Uh, but the Jam Session Bowl is great, and it's on the secret menu. So it ain't you ain't going to find it just looking on the menu. You'll be like, they're talking about this, and I don't see it. It's because it's on the secret menu. Go get it, guys. Go get it, because it is awesome, and you're going to love it. And also, don't forget... Their new barbecue sauce and rub, twice the size for only $7.95, goes great. It's barbecue grilling season is here. I'm grilling like once a week now. It, get out there. If you're a griller and you enjoy that, try their rub. Try their sauce. I think you're going to love it. So make sure you pick that up at Smokey John's Barbecue as well. So the Dallas Stars, they are two games into their opening round playoff series against the Minnesota Wild. And on Wednesday night, you know, they were the better team for the majority of game one. They ran into a goalie who just would not give and they end up losing in double overtime. Got a bad bounce. Game two, they came out, and it was obvious from the get-go. I mean, they looked phenomenal. And that's what you always wondered this with the team. Like, man, if you had played this way early in game one, but it, they didn't. But, man, last night, 7-3, to three, the tie record for most goals they've ever scored in a playoff game. Rope Hintz gets a hat trick, and it's the fourth hat trick in Dallas Stars playoff history. The first time that a Stars player had a hat trick at home in Dallas Stars playoff history, which was awesome to see. Dodonov had a couple of goals. I mean, who had who have who had Evgeny Dodonov as your two goal scorer in the playoffs? <laughs> Dude had seven goals all season and has two in this game. But they just played a great game. You know, they they got up. I will say four one, and then. They had that stupid-ass penalty on the hold that didn't need to happen. They give up a power play goal. It's 4-2. And then another just horrible bounce during a shift change coming through the neutral zone that Minnesota picks up on a breakaway. And just like that, it's 4-3. And I'm sitting here going, you got to be kidding me. I think I even tweeted this. I was like, the Stars were – I mean, not, they dominated that game last night. And the fact it was 4-3 at one point, I was like, what the hell, man? And then, of course, they're like, never mind. They hit another gear, 6-3, then 7-3. It got nasty at the end. There were seven misconducts handed out. But w what a win for the Stars to even this series and grab some momentum going to Minnesota on Friday night. Dude, they now I'm going to say, yes, that was a must win, uh, especially after dropping the first one. Oh, yeah. You can't go 0-2 and then go up to Minnesota. But more than getting a W, I think this was a, hey, man, we are the better team. Let's, let's go out there and beat you up and show you we're the better team and send you back to Minnesota with a message. And now it's important to come out and meet that same energy on, um, in game three. Now, I got to ask you, though, after you win the first game and you play pretty well and you win 3-2, why, why did they change goalies and go with uh, Fleury? I wanted the same damn thing. And they kept talking about that on the broadcast last night. And I kind of wondered, because Brian Boucher, who's the color analyst for this series, played in the NHL for a long time. He brought up this point, And after you, you went through the game – 
it, it was hard not to agree with them that you it's almost as if the Minnesota coach kind of knew the stars were going to come out and it, like he knows I mean you can put on the, the tape and you probably have an, a, a sense of they're a better team than us honestly and I, I think he figured because the guy who played Gustafsson who played in game one is a rookie that was his first ever playoff start he was fantastic do you want to risk that you shatter his confidence when you're about to go back because what's your goal when you go on the road in a playoff series you want to split split Let's, right they did that. So let's put Fleury out there, who's gobs of playoff experience. Years ago, was one of, if not the best goalie in the NHL. And I kind of wonder if he figured this might be this might be what the Stars were going to do, and he'd rather expose the veteran to that than risk breaking his rookie's confidence, knowing he's going to need that guy through this series. You know what? That's, uh, that's one of the better theories I've heard, so I'll, I'll buy that. Because other than that, I mean, what would be the point? There would be none. It, it, it makes no sense because Flurry got lit up, man. I mean, just absolutely lit up. Well, they scored in a bunch of different ways. Power play, shorthanded, you know, you name it, they did it. Yeah, and, and the, the crazy thing is, is that Rope Hintz is the first NHL player to score a shorthanded goal, an even strength goal, and a power play goal in three different periods in the same game since Mario Lemieux did it in 1996. That's some pretty good company to be in, right? No there. doubt, man. Man, we you forget how fast Rope is when he comes through the zone. And, God, he's impressive. That was an impressive win for the Stars. I mean, they're the better team. So you play like that on Friday night in Minnesota, and you should be up 2-1. to one. But, again, Minnesota's scrappy. They're physical. They take some cheap shots. There's a reason why they kept tossing dudes at the end. I've never seen that before. And I've watched a ton of hockey – they were giving out misconducts like Oprah's giving out free gifts on a Christmas special. <laughs> you get one and you get one. It was, man. I mean, it you was. And for like the littlest stuff too, like, you know, Ben and Ryan Suter got tossed because they got into a scramble with one of the dudes on the wild. And they're, at, at the end, the refs were like, look, there, there's less than a minute to go. We're not doing this. Like this game's over. Get off. Get out of here. And they were just tossing guys, man. It's kind of awesome to see. <laughs> Well, you don't see it often. That's the, that's the whole key. You do not see it often. That's very true. So how I just saw this. Apparently, they were doing a test flight, the latest Starship for SpaceX, and it has exploded during launch. I hope wasn't nobody in it. No, nobody was in it. It was a test flight of like the largest rocket ever built, but it is it exploded in midair after launch. Wow. And this is, I mean, this is just happening as we are wrapping up this recording here. What's it called? SpaceX? Yeah, SpaceX. Our, our dude that does uh, Bruce Biltong worked at SpaceX. <laughs> I remember now that you say it. Yeah, well, that's why you do these test flights, man. Yeah. You got to test that. the new technology and the new rockets. It's the most powerful rocket ever built. It briefly took flight, then exploded in midair on the first launch attempt ever. And this Bro. was down there in South Texas in Boca Chica. Bro, I just looked at the video. It is one big fireball. Yeah, no doubt, man. God, look at the size of that thing. Man, it looks like a giant penis, too. Look at that. <laughs> it does. Like, as it's launching from the ground, man, that thing is massive. <laughs> you can tell it's the most powerful rocket ever built and the biggest. I mean, that is, oh, wow, it starts wiggling in the air. And then it looks like something's going to go wrong. The bottom of it is lit up on fire. It, it fights through it. God, this is crazy. So it, it got 40 seconds into the air. As you're listening to me recreating this. I was going to say, look at you doing play by play. <laughs> well, this is interesting because it's 50 seconds after launch and it still hasn't exploded yet. Oh, it does look like a, and it's a black penis at that. I told you. Like the one angle of it, I don't know how else to say what it looks like. A minute into after launch. So they got to be excited. Oh, man, this is going well. We've got it up there. We're well over a minute after launch. And it looks like something is flaring up. It's still in launch. Oh, there's the wiggle. Yeah. And the flames. Guys, this is yeah. really interesting. So a minute and 20 seconds after launch, and it's still intact. Yeah, but then it, it, huh. it ended in a hurry. Yeah, that's kind of strange. I mean, this thing got a, a, over a minute and a half after launch before it, it, it's, it finally blew up. It must have hit a, a certain part of the stratosphere or something that created that. 
Oh, no idea. I guess it does have to do something to make it blow up. I guess. I don't know, man. I'm not a rocket scientist. <laughs> it sure seems. No. I mean, you look at it and you go, I don't know. Is that normal? <laughs> I mean, how do I know? I've never been to space. I don't think. No, I don't think it's normal. Uh, that's terrible. But luckily, there's nobody in there. So. Yeah, and that, again, that's why they're testing this new technology, because the idea is that they're trying to get this to where they can get to the moon and whatnot and start the next process of using the moon as a launching pad to get to Mars. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Weird. I don't know what happened to that. Interesting. Yeah. I guess we'll be reading about it over the next few days. I'm sure that we will. And they'll try to figure out exactly what happened, but that is it for us. I hope everybody has a great weekend. It is draft week next week. That that's exciting. Ready for it, man. Stoked for the NFL draft. I know all of you are as well. Got a couple stars play on Friday night. Stars play again on Sunday. Both of those games are in Minnesota. So by the next time we stop down for this, we'll see where they're at. Maybe they'll have a 3-1 series lead. That'd be nice coming back to Dallas. Who knows? Hell yeah. Maybe the Rangers will sweep the A's this weekend. We'll find out. You need a deep run to keep us preoccupied until, uh, you know, football season. Man, I love it because I watch every minute of playoff hockey games for the Stars. Got my Haskinen jersey. Now, I wore my Haskinen for game one, and they lost, so I didn't wear it for game two, and they won, which means I won't be wearing it for game three. Wow, okay. You got to have the superstition, yeah. man. You got to you gotta go with what works. We got to do something to uh, to get them a dub so you can get back on the, on the jersey-wearing binge. Exactly. So we'll see what happens, but if they keep winning, then I'm going to have to not wear it. If they, they lose it. if they lose while I'm not wearing it, then I'll try it again and put it back on. All right, I like that. I'm you, down with it. You got to have your hockey playoff superstitions. <laughs> don't worry, I do change my underwear. I'm not wearing the yeah. same pair. God, thank you. <laughs> hey, I don't want to get crotch rot because you know what happens when you get that. Uh, you know, I shouldn't ask what happens. Your space rocket falls off. <laughs> I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want that to happen. All right, yeah. that's it. Have a great weekend, guys. We'll talk soon. Thanks for listening to the Jam Session Podcast. Make sure to find us on Instagram at Jam Session Cast. Of course, you can also find us on Twitter at McMatt Radio and at JJT underscore journalist. Our podcast is sponsored by Greening Law, a personal injury law firm in Dallas, Texas. Greening Law fights the legal battle so you'll have time for healing and renewal. Give them a call at 972-934-8900. Greening Law, Office, Dallas, Texas. As always, thanks to Purple Elephant Music for the music you hear at the end and the beginning of each episode. He, of course, is the radio, TV, and now podcast star, the sexy Jean-Jacques Taylor. And me, I'm just a guy, Matt McLaren. We'll catch you next time right here on the Jam Session Podcast, available everywhere you listen to podcasts.